Uh, these past few weeks, we've been just walking through just the book of Joshua. Uh, if you haven't been here, the, uh, the Israelites have been walking around wondering for 40 years. 40 years. Some of you have been wondering for longer than that. Some of you have wondered longer than that with really no purpose. But we serve a, uh, a mighty God whose God's Word says, you know, be strong and courageous. I've, I've already gone before you. I've, I've already won the battle. At what point are you just going to lay your life down and let me fight that battle for you? That's where we're at this morning. I'm excited about this morning. The people of Israel are finally ready to look and see how their lives can impact eternity for those around them, for the promise that has been made to the Israelites, the promise that had been made years and years before to the man by the name of Abraham. That promise never changed. Just like in our life, God's promises in our lives never change. Sometimes we change. Sometimes our hair changes. Our body shape changes. Sometimes our choices change. God never changes. You see, God is faithful. God is faithful and just. And this morning we're going to be picking up the story here in Joshua chapter 3. Just before this time, uh, this past week, we, we looked at what does it look like to live this Christian life in victory. And we said that many of us, even as Christ followers, we're living this life and, and so many things are keeping us from experiencing the joy that Jesus wants for our lives. And there's many things that come into our lives and distract us and keep us from living out that salvation, living out that joy that that Jesus paid it all for. And in our lives, it might be different things from time to time. But we looked at that, that the victory in this Christian life must start with a call from God. And I love how God chooses You and me, He chooses us. He sought us and He bought us. He paid the price for that. And for us to live in this Christian life victoriously, we must prepare ourselves for God's calling in our life. Just like Joshua and the people of Israel, Joshua went around the camp and shared with everyone, it is finally time. It is finally time for us to walk in obedience and to claim the victory that God has already won. But we must prepare ourselves, and that preparation for many of us, it's going to look different. Maybe that preparation for some of us is to stop doing that and to start doing this. Or maybe to walk down this path and stop walking down this path. Or maybe it's to stop looking at that and concentrate on focusing on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so the Israelites, they find themselves, they finally end this past week, we said they finally made a commitment. They finally, after seeing the destruction of what unfaithfulness and sin will do in someone's life, they're like, man, I'm, I'm done with that. I don't, I don't want to live my life that way. And so, and so Joshua's like, man, we need to have a call from God. We need to prepare ourselves, and we need, to have, we need to commit ourselves to the things of God. And we talked about that, you know, we live in a culture that has a lack of commitment. Let's be honest. 
We do. I don't want to commit to that because that means I might actually have to follow through. And that's never fun. The people of Israel, man, they had a commitment. They surrendered. They submitted. And they chose to live a life that was separated from the world. So that God's promise and God's blessing would flow into their lives. Chapter 3. Verse 1, just before this, Joshua sent two spies. Second time they've sent spies out. Remember what happened last time. It didn't go so well. Two came back and said, yes, we're in. Ten were like, there's no way. And for 40 years. So you can imagine as Joshua's like, man, it's time to do this again. Two guys go out. And, and Joshua, actually 2.24, it actually says this. It says, they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. And this was what the people of Israel, this is what Joshua has been waiting for. So here we go. Chapter 3, verse 1, if you've got your Bibles, here we go. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out for Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. I just want to stop there just for a moment. I want you just to to see the the fullness of this picture again. All of these people, this was a new generation. This was the sons and daughters of those who had unfaithfully followed after God and literally wasted their lives away in the desert. And so they saw this with their own eyes and, and they were the point like, no more! We, we choose to follow after God and we are now ready to see what God has in store for us. This, this promise that has, has been made a promise for hundreds of years and we are now going to get to experience the joy of what it looks like to living in the will of God. And so you can imagine, like, this is the day. I mean, all, all of the people, the, the older men and the, and the women and the children, this is the day. But as they approach the famous Jordan River, verse 15 alludes to this. It says that it was harvest time. Harvest time meant floods. Now, isn't it interesting that just the time when God says, all right, it's time to get prepared, it's time to get ready, and and they show up at the Jordan River, all right? Now, the Jordan River is really not that large when it's not flooding, all right? But now it's at flood stage, and it is almost a mile wide, about 12 to 15 feet deep in in the center of the Jordan River. How do you know that? Because I've read some history about that, okay? And so, during this time, God's like, it's time, and, and I want you just to, just to imagine the people. It's, they're ready, man. They are pumped, and then they get to the Jordan River, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. I mean, really? I mean, they're like, are you kidding me? And so they, they find themselves in this situation. I mean, you've you got to imagine, I mean, I mean the, the downtrodden of the people, they're like, Really? So the story goes on. It says, after three days, so they camped there for three days right by the Jordan River. For three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. 
When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Verse 4 says, then you will know. This is, this, is, this is powerful here. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before. Have you ever been in that situation before? Maybe you're, you're tackling, uh, maybe you're on vacation, you know, maybe you're out exploring in the car and, and whatever the situation is and, and Siri's got you lost somewhere, some down some dirt road or, or GPS has you somewhere and, and us guys are like, man, I, I, I've just got a sense, you know what I mean? I just know it's here and, and you keep driving and then finally, you know, she's like, come on, can we at least please stop at a gas station and ask Farmer Bob, you know, like, no, 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 I've, I've, I've got this, man, I, I, I think I know it. And you've never been there before, remember, okay, you've never been there before, but you think you know where you're going. In my life, I mean, how many times do I do that? God's like, man, let's do this, and you're like, man, I'm, I am on board, I've never done this before, but I, surely I've got this, I'm a man. I don't need the instructions. I love this because he says here, he goes, I want you... To follow after the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is a very interesting thing. Uh, this was a symbol of the presence of God in the midst of His people. I don't have a lot of time to expound on this particular, but it was basically, it was a box, all right? Think of a box with like ornate gold stuff with a, with a seat on top, and it was, it was where the, uh, the Ten Commandments were. It was where uh, Aaron's uh, staff was. It was also where manna. They actually kept some manna. Remember, manna was what kept them alive in the desert for 40 years, kind of a sweet bread that literally fell from heaven. And, and so that was in there, and it, was, it represented the presence of God in their midst is what it represented. And no one could touch the Ark of the Covenant or they would die, literally. So this was not just like, oh yeah, you know, some box. Like it was, it was the presence of God. So, so this is what he said. He goes, I want the Levitical priest. And what they would do is, is they would put these poles on each end, okay? And they would hoist it up and they would literally put it on their shoulders, okay? Remember, no one can touch it. They've got the poles there, pretty smart people, okay? So they could keep their distance and they put it on their shoulders, okay? So remember this, you've got all of these Levitical priests and they've got the Ark of the Covenant and then God says, I want you to follow. But then he gives them a description here. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. You're like, yeah, I had to look it up too. Okay, about 1,000 yards. 1,000 yards. 10 football fields, okay, if you guys are in, in that, tracking with me there, okay. Between you and the ark, do not go near it. I started thinking about this, like, why, why 1,000 yards? And then I started thinking about the massness of the Israelite family at that time. You ever played a game with a kid before? You're like, okay, you'll stay right here. I'm going to back up a little bit. And, you know, when I say go, okay, and, you know, kids are like jumping the line. They're like, you know, oh, let's start over. And, and I can just imagine all of these people, they're at the Jordan River. Think about this. They're, they're at the Jordan River. There's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And God says, I want them to go first. I want, basically what he's saying is, is follow the movements of God. Follow me. Because I know where I'm going and you do not. You're safer following me. So, so they get a thousand yards ahead. And I believe there was a thousand yards ahead so they could actually see God. 
How many times do we just kind of take off and kind of like, you know, I know God's called me or, you know, I've got this or I'm supposed to do this. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like the presence of God is nowhere to be found. And then we find ourselves in a position or a situation or, or whatever it is in our lives. We're like, man, how did I end up here? It's because we lost focus. We did not pursue the things of God. We, we did not fix our eyes on Jesus. We find ourselves just like Peter, walking on water, experiencing God like we never have before. And then all of a sudden, man, we, everything around us starts taking us here and there, and we start drowning. Why? Because we were not following the movements of God in our lives. And so Joshua says, this is what's going to take place. This is what the Lord your God says. This is how it's going to take place place. God says, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. The second thing he says, I want you to consecrate yourselves. Verse 5, Joshua, he told the people, he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, consecrate is not a word we use every day. I don't hardly ever use that word particularly. But here's what it means. It says, to make or declare sacred... Uh, to dedicate formally to a divine purpose, uh, to be cleansed, to be holy, we use that word a lot, to be, vo- to be devoted or, or dedicated to a cause. So, so God was telling His people that if they were going to cross the uncrossable and follow the will of the Lord, they must forsake anything that is not of God. Then God will move on their behalf. Started thinking about that. What does it mean to be holy? I and mean, we, we toss this word around a lot. We do in church. I love what 1 Peter 1, 15-16, it says, But just as he who called you is holy, speaking of Jesus, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. You know, I started thinking about this, and like, there's nothing holy in me. Sometimes I get holy genes, all right? But there, there, there ain't nothing holy in me. And I started thinking about this, like, like, how does someone become holy? How does someone consecrate themselves before God? Is what it looks like for you and me to become holy, is to become, come before a, an awesome and a most powerful God and say, God, I want to lay everything out before you. Everything out. You're like, that? Yeah, that as well. You mean that thought? Yes, that thought. You mean what I'm kind of doing on the side here? Nobody knows? Yes, that as well. You mean that thing you're doing in private? Yes, that as well. I want you to to lay it all out there. And what happens is when we lay it all out there, the Spirit of God comes into our lives and fills us and makes us holy before a holy God. You see, you and I cannot do it in our own strength. It's not something that we can just muster up enough power or whatever it is. Can y'all hear me okay? You're like, yeah, you need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> but, but God says, I want you to be holy. I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to get things in, in order in your lives. And, and this word being holy, is, it comes from a, a personal repentance of every known sin. You're like, man, I can't think of things. Every known sin, those things in your life that you know are not of God that you know that are not of God, that you know that nobody else might know that thing, is to come before God and say, I want you to take this. I love what Isaiah 59 says. It says, 
Indeed, the Lord's hand is not too short to save, and His ear is not too deaf to hear, but your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made Him hide His face from you so that He does not listen. So, so basically, here's what's happening here in this story is I want you to get rid of those things that are keeping you from being obedient. I want you to come clean of those things. And I want you to follow the movement of God. Here's the thing. When you and I become holy, personal repentance of every known sin takes place in our life, but also it puts us in a spiritual alertness to see God at work. You cannot, I cannot keep doing life as normal when we become before a holy God. We cannot keep doing the same things that we have been doing when we come before a holy God. You see, these people here had a lot of responsibilities. They had kids. Some of them were farmers. Some of them were they, they were shepherds. They had all of these things that, that we find ourselves spending a lot of time doing that we don't have a choice because we've got to make a living to pay the bills, all right? Let's, that's where we're at. But God, but God is saying, I want you to get your heart right. I want you to get your mind right. You see, I think some of us this morning might miss the workings of God in our lives because we continue on as a normal day. Here's what I mean by that. There's been times in my life where I have felt God speak to me. And there has been times, I've got to be honest, where I've said no. There's been those times where I feel like Moses, man, there's, there's no way. Surely not me. I mean, is, is there anybody else that you can use? Is, is there somebody else that you can go and, and, and let them share the good news with that person? Before I got married, uh, out of college, I, I lived in the Middle East for a short time. And I got to know this young man by the name of Ahmed. All right, somebody say that. Ah, oh, oh, he hock it up type of name. Ahmed, he was a young man, had a lot of kids. Ahmed was a Muslim. He didn't know Jesus. He spoke pretty good English, so I, I didn't really have much of an excuse, really, honestly. I remember hanging out with him day after day and really getting to know him and his family. And um, God kept impressing my heart. Brandon, you need to share. You, you need to share the hope that you have in Christ. No, no, no. Surely somebody else. No, no, no. One day Ahmed was heading from this town to the big city, and uh, they drive pretty crazy over there. They drive really, really fast, which I'm like, in, like, yes, that's me. Totally kidding, all right? Um, Ahmed, he, uh, he has a car wreck, and he, he loses his life that day. Um, I don't share that story because I feel the guilt of that because I believe God is holy and God doesn't need me. God chooses to use me and He chooses to use you. God was wanting me to 
to speak to Him. And, and there's times in my life where I feel like God is just calling us just to maybe just to love that person. Maybe to go speak to that person. Maybe it's the, the person nobody likes at work. And there's a reason nobody likes them because their life is probably in destruction. And nobody cares enough to get to know them and to love them and really to find out who they are. And so God chooses to use you. He chooses to, me, to use me in that way. Why? Because God's love for us should be an outflow of what He's doing. And, and we should be open to that. But there's times in my life where I, I don't have enough time. And I believe in our lives many times we miss the calling of God in our life because we're just too busy. Man, sometimes we will drop it all. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes, you know, maybe our kids have a sporting program and we're there. I mean, I'll drop it all when I get off work where I do this, do that. Man, they, they've got to be there. Yeah, I know it's church, not a big deal. I've got things going on. Please hear my heart here. In light of eternity, the choices that you and I make every single day, they matter. They matter. They matter. And so God is telling His people, you have to follow after me. You have to come before me and I want, I want you to be holy because I am holy. And the third thing I want you to see here in verse 7. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. This is kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, remember it, it's flood stage. All of these people, anybody like me, I'm not tracking with you right now, Joshua. Like, I'm a little confused of what's going on here. But they heard the stories of the great divide of the Red Sea. They heard how God took care of them. And they walked over dry land. So, so maybe in their back of their minds, they're thinking, man, maybe God is going to do it again. I'm sure it's probably 50-50 those who, who, who are those types of personalities were like, man, God is going to do it. And there's those who panic like, man, what is going on here? You know, they're like walking around like, what's going on? You know, I'm, I know you're not that person, okay? You don't, anxiety never gets into your life. And you never worry about anything. But I'm sure that all of these people, there's all these emotions going on. And God says, I want you to go into the water. Go and stand in the river. Verse 9 says, Joshua said to the Israelites... Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot into the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. 
Here's, here's what's interesting about this, which is so cool. God says, I want you to go. I want you to take action. I want you to get your feet wet. And then I want you just to stand firm. That's it. I, I, I just want you, to, I want you to take those steps of faith. I want you to get your feet wet. And then I want you just to stand firm and see how God moves in your midst. And that's hard to do. I'm the guy over here like, man, there's some trees over there. If we cut those down, tie those together. You know, I'm thinking it's running about 40 miles an hour. If we get upstream, we might make it across the river. That, that, that's the way I think. Man, I can do this in my own strength, but he says, I want to go before you, the movements of God. Keep your focus on me. And they get into the water, and they stand still. And it says, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. The moment of truth has come for the people of Israel. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant must step out into the floodwaters and then stand still right where they are. Forgot to mention they all had floaties on just in case. I'm totally kidding. Or life vest. <laughs> Wouldn't that be me? Just in case God doesn't come through, I've got a backup plan. Because I'm not sure I can survive this, these raging waters of life and all these things around me. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Lay it all down. I want you to be holy in all of me. Trust me. Step out in faith. Don't hold anything back. Take off the floaties. Step out on faith. Stand still. I'm not a standstill kind of guy. But that's when God does what only God can do. Standing near the banks. I just want to give you some imagery here. Of the thundering Jordan were the armed warriors with swords and shields. Next to them, the aged men trembling of their staffs, along with wide-eyed mothers and helpless babies, all gathered to move when God opened a way. All the people had their eyes on the ark, positioned high on the shoulders of the priest, who were wading the shallows of the river. Everyone was ready clean and hard and spiritually alert, watching for something that only God could do. Already the step of faith had been taken. Now they were standing still, and a great hush fell over the people. Then someone noticed that the water was receding. It was dropping fast somewhere upriver beyond their sight. About 19 miles is what God's Word tells us. The waters mounted up in a great crystal heap. The riverbed was dry. In fact, it was bare all the way south to the Dead Sea. Now the thunder of the river was replaced by the thunder of God's people moving in a great swarm, extending a mile or more. I want you to see that picture there. I want you to see that picture of, of God working in such a powerful way. And that's the same God who wants to work in and through our lives in a powerful way. 
It was such a powerful event. Psalms 114 actually wrote a song about it. It says, The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. Why was it sea that you fled? Jordan that you turned back. Mountains that you skipped like rams. Hills like, ram, like lambs. Here's the answer. Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the God of Jacob. You and I, we must follow the movements of God, we must consecrate ourselves before God and we must step out on faith and stand still. And the last thing I want you to see, chapter 4. Here's where the Israelites struggled. Here's where you and I many times struggle. When God moves in our midst, we must remember. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Verse 6. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. How many times has God worked in our midst and we've forgotten His faithfulness? And I can think of so many times in my life, like why do I continue to allow fear to consume me in that moment? God is, He's never let me down. God is faithful. God will come through. And I love this because He says, I want you to build a memorial. What does that look like for you and I in our lives? Maybe that's writing down in your Bible on a piece of paper. Man, God God was faithful today. And in the midst of this tragic situation, God was faithful. God answered my prayer. It wasn't the way that I particularly wanted, but God is faithful. I don't understand the situation, but God is faithful. You see, what happens is is we forget the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our lives because we allow the things of life to consume us and we start losing focus and we start drowning in the midst of all of our uh, things that go on in our lives and God is saying, just remember. Remember how faithful I've been. Be strong, be courageous, just like he tells Joshua. There's a a reason he told him that, because he knows there's going to be a time where he wants to just give up. I'm tired of leading these people. Be strong. Be courageous. I'm going to ask Jared to come back up as he close. Let me ask you, This morning, 
Where's been God? Where's God been faithful to you? I want you to think about that for a minute. Where has God been faithful to you? Maybe this morning you're saying, you know what, Brandon, it's been a really long time, or I've really never experienced God's faithfulness in my life. For me, I was reminded this week of God's faithfulness. You see, let's be honest, because some of us this morning, we're facing troubled waters this morning. For, for, for some of us, we know that God is like speaking to us. We know that God is wanting us to move forward. But, but what's happening is, is, is what happens is, is we stand on the banks of the Jordan. And we see the flooding waters, man, and we just like, man, God, I don't know. I'm scared. I'm scared to, to release all that I am before you because in that moment I can't control the situation and God says, that is exactly where I want you. I want you to release everything that you are and I want you to put your faith and your trust in me and I want you to step forward. And then here's the cool thing, because I just want you to stand. I want you to stand firm and, and watch what I do in and through your life. Stand firm. As we close this morning, I know there are some of us this morning who are just struggling. I know there are some of us this morning who God is calling you and God is speaking to you and for whatever reason, there's something holding you back. God is wanting to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine in and through your life, but for some reason, maybe it's a sin in our lives. Maybe there's something going on that's keeping us back from looking to the light of eternity. I'm going to give you a chance to make that right this morning. We don't do this every week, but I'm going to ask our prayer team just to come forward here. And maybe this morning you're saying, Brent, I just need, I just need to get this off my chest. I, I, I need to share this with someone. I just need someone to pray with me. I need someone to pray over me. And maybe this morning you're white-knuckling it right now. You know what that is? And you do not want to. I pray that maybe for the first time you would step out. That you would see the movements of God. That you would step out and experience Him like you never have.